much for tuning in. You are listening to This Week Again, and I'm your host, Suzanne Posel. We're going to start off this show with why Florida Governor Ron DeSantis thinks that there were benefits to slavery. The new Florida school curriculum that is teaching 1950s gender norms. Move on to the GOP's plan to make America a Christian nation again, and follow all of that up with aliens. (laughs) Let's begin, shall we? It seems like the opening topic to this show of late has been how fucking hot it is outside. Arizona is averaging 100 and who the fuck cares? I melted at 100 degrees a day since summer began. And in Florida, well, the water is actually boiling. As we said, this extreme summer heat is not just impacting us on land. The oceans are now hitting dangerously high record-breaking temperatures, triple digits in some cases. Right now, the water temperatures are running about four to eight degrees higher than normal. Manatee Bay, if we're talking about just south of the Everglades, north of the Florida Keys there on your map, registered 101.1 degrees this week. That is ideal temperatures for a hot tub. The 101.1 degree temperature recorded at a buoy near Key Largo, Florida this week, may break a record for the highest observed sea surface temperature. It comes as 50% of the ocean water around the globe is predicted to experience heat wave conditions by September. Well, there goes the rest of Florida's tourism. All they've got left are white sandy beaches, but who wants to spend thousands of dollars on a vacation where the main attraction is to be boiled alive like an overpriced lobster that you ate the night before? (laughs) That is a lot of no's from me, thank you very much. And besides, it's not just the skin-peeling temperature of the water that's got Florida's famous beaches on the fuck-no list. They've got a unique and deadly aquatic predator swimming all sussy up and down Florida's coast thanks to the 80s' favorite illegal drug. In Florida, there have long been tales about cocaine-fueled sharks due to dumping by drug runners. Remember Cocaine Bear? Well, step aside for Cocaine Shark. Right now, sharks off of Florida's coast may be eating bundles of cocaine that drug smugglers have dumped. Fleeing smugglers being chased by the DEA are dumping significant amounts of cocaine into the ocean, which ends up in the stomachs of sharks. Scientists have been conducting experiments finding some sharks may be eating bundles of cocaine. Now, before Elizabeth Banks secures the film rights to Cocaine Sharks, Let's just take a moment to ponder what's actually happening here. For example, cocaine makes hammerhead sharks swim like they forgot to drink their V8 in the morning, and that is fucking hilarious. (laughs) But you know what isn't very funny? When researchers dumped bales of dummy cocaine and dead swans into the water, the sharks totally ignored the dinosaur goodness of the birds and went straight for the cocaine, tearing into the bales like a member of the Donner Party at a family get-together. And I guess Rick James knew exactly what he was talking about. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Now we just have to make sure that the sharks have more sense than to put their fins on someone's couch, right? (laughs) 
Meanwhile, on land, Florida is going through a very public something, and I don't think the limpest dick state is doing okay. Now that they're miniature Mussolini of a governor, Mr. Ron Respect My Authority DeSantis, is running for president, things have gone from idiocracy to worse. A huge portion of the estimated 800,000 migrants have already left the state after DeRacis signed a law making sure their already difficult lives come guaranteed with jail time. Insurance companies are also pulling out of the state, leaving millions of people living in their hurricane capital of North America without coverage for their homes and in violation of their mortgages, which require homeowners insurance. And who can forget DeRacist's crusade against the woke, which translates to turning Florida's school system into a Hitler youth reboot. First up is the whitewashing of black history. Florida and the growing debate over new standards for teaching black history. The suggestion that some enslaved people benefited from skills they acquired. The new guidelines require middle school students be taught, quote, how slaves developed skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. In high school, the guidelines require the teaching of both acts of violence perpetrated against and by African-Americans. A volunteer member of the task force tells ABC News he stands by their work. Amid criticism, the standards gloss over the horrors of slavery. It is the case that Africans proved resourceful, resilient, and adaptive, and were able to develop skills and aptitudes which served to their benefit. Oh, really? That is some old-school Caucasian audacity to think Africans didn't know anything about how to grow crops, harvest, and everything else that goes into farming until their pasty owners showed them. <laughs> and by the way, how in the fuck are you going to teach children that there were very fine people on both sides of the slavery topic when the entire premise is based on a colonizer's wet dream of one person owning another? That just doesn't make any sense. Or as Vice President Kamala Harris put it. The state of Florida, they decided middle school students will be taught that enslaved people benefited from slavery. They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us and we will not stand for it. This is unnecessary to debate whether enslaved people benefited from slavery. Are you kidding me? They dare to push propaganda to our children. Damn right, that's some 1800s gaslighting. This is the kind of miseducation that creates dickwads like Jason Aldean, who make money off of the white mythos of a small town and the racist fuckers who buy that shit, which creates a bigoted circle jerk. It's also the kind of whataboutism that inspired Fox, not a news channel host, Greg Gutfield, to say the most anti-Semitic part out loud and on cable television. Because of course he did. Roll tape. It made me think as someone, obviously I'm not black, but I'm Jewish. Would someone say about the Holocaust, for instance, that there were some benefits for Jews, right? While they were hanging out in concentration camps, you learned a strong work ethic, right? Maybe you learned a new skill. Did you ever read Man's Search for Meaning? Vic Frankel talks about how you had to survive in a concentration yeah. camp by having skills. You had to be useful. Utility. Utility okay. kept you but alive. Also Again, with the Caucasian audacity. 
saying Jews who survived the Holocaust did so just because they had a particular set of skills. While simultaneously mischaracterizing a book recounting the mental gymnastics one very lucky Holocaust survivor had to put himself through just to find the will to keep going. And as a side note, nearly all the Jews shipped by boxcar to concentration camps were working class or lower, meaning that they all had useful skills when they arrived at the camps. And guess what? That did not prevent the Nazis from killing them. I'm sure if Greg hadn't skipped grade school history class to attend his white sheet conventions when he was a child, he might know that. But thanks to Florida Republican lawmakers and their walking, talking hair plug of a governor, actual black history is going to be replaced with something a bit more revisionist. And who better to provide this curriculum than a fake university worth $25 million thanks to Republican Jesus donors that makes their living presenting a fundamentalist reimagining of education through the cruelty of eyes cut through white sheets. The supplemental educational materials that were just approved by Florida's Department of Education for showing in public schools kindergarten through 12th grade program called Prager U Kids. It is overtly right wing and that translates to kids magazines that teach about American heroes like Charles Schwab, JP Morgan and Ayn Rand or ones that push clean coal and describe climate change as an unproven and debated theory. It also means videos about why your kid should back the blue and reject Black Lives Matter. And it also has crafting lessons, like building a model version of Israel's Iron Dome. Wow. They aren't even trying to hide behind the white sheets or use coded language like the Daughters of the Confederacy did in the beginning of 1870s with their lost cause theory taught in schools as if it were fact. Happened to be located, of course, in the former Confederate states. But hey, don't take my word for it. Here is a small taste of what PragerU will be telling the children of Florida. Roll tape. America is more than just a place on a map. It's an ideal and a set of values stemming from Judeo-Christian principles. Despite what some confused people think, masculinity is not toxic. Most gender stereotypes exist because they reflect the way that men and women are naturally different. Eventually... All socialist countries face serious scarcity of basic needs. Change, however, came to India when the British Empire took control. Along with advancements in transportation, agriculture, and government, the British spread the influence of Christianity and Western values throughout India. So now, going forward, we will all know where you were educated, because children raised in Florida will think that the United States is a Christian nation, because no one showed them the myriad of writings from our founding fathers that explicitly explain otherwise. The boys will be taught their testosterone-fueled impulses are all natural, and it's okay to, you know, go off and punch a wall when you're angry, because, hey, that's manly. And... They've got something special for the girls. Most gender stereotypes exist because they reflect the way that men and women are naturally different. And those differences aren't bad. Men and women complement each other and create a well-balanced family and community. So don't let anyone tell you it's bad to fit stereotypes. Those people are just trying too hard to be cool. 
If you want to wear pink, wear pink. If you want to dress up in a girly dress, do it. Make yourself pretty. Master the art of makeup. Practice good hygiene. Go buy all the things that smell good and create a torpedo of fragrance. If you want to wear high heels, go for it. Just practice walking before getting close to any ledges. Embrace the idea of being a wife or a mother. I, I can't even. I'm going to need Barbie to take the wheel because it's bad enough that Republicans across this country have outlawed a woman's right to basic health care. But now they want a program out of little girls, the desire to be more than just a baby making machine who enslaves her life away to make a man comfortable. Anyone but me notice that PragerU isn't too concerned with fostering a young woman's intelligence or her skill set unless it fits the nurturing mother trope or even the desire to contribute anything but another person to society. Because why would you want a woman to be educated, self-sufficient, or even have a modicum of self-respect when none of this fits the patriarchy's masculine narrative? Not to mention that it makes it extremely difficult for you to convince this woman that she should give up on her personal dreams and live out some dude's Jesus freak fantasy. So if what's happening in Florida to the school system makes you upset, hey, you're going to want to pay close attention to the next segment because none of the evangelical remodeling of the United States is just all of a sudden happening. According to the New York Times, Trump and his allies are planning a, quote, sweeping expansion of presidential power should the former president retake the White House. Trump and his enablers plan to, quote, alter the balance of power by increasing the president's authority over every part of the federal government. If Trump wins, they plan on stacking the government with Trump loyalists, regardless of their personal or professional limitations. One thing that he's laser focused on is dismantling the so-called administrative state in order to consolidate and centralize power in the executive branch, essentially doing away with our system of checks and balances and doing away with the independence of federal government agencies. Team Trump would seek to bring independent agencies like the FCC under direct presidential control, refuse to spend congressional funds on programs he doesn't like, and remove protections for federal workers so they could more easily be replaced if they oppose Trump's agenda. And why the fuck not? How else are you supposed to reboot the United States as a Christian nation if you don't already have a demagogue to rule it all? The Christian right-wing think tank called the Heritage Foundation has written an evangelical fan fiction script called Project 2025. It's filled with policies, personnel lists, and transition plans for any Republican who wins in 2024. The goal of Project 2025 is to seize the power from the liberals and consolidate all governmental power to the presidency, which, of course, a Republican will be in office at that time because, hey, that's how you turn a democracy into a dictatorship. But, hey, don't listen to me and don't believe a word I'm saying. Here is Kevin Roberts from the Heritage Foundation at their 2023 Leadership Summit held just three months ago, where he explained in graphic detail what changes his fellow Republican Jesus freaks plan to make to our country. Roll tape. What is Project 2025? It is 
systematically preparing to march into office and bring a new army of aligned, trained, and essentially weaponized conservatives ready to do battle against the deep state. First, we came out with our policy book, Mandate for Leadership. This sets the table for what conservatives want in their next standard bearer. And we're standing at the ready to, to train them up and give them policy expertise. Two, we're making a massive database conjoining all of our personnel recommendations into essentially a conservative LinkedIn. This is for anyone in America to enter into government here in Washington. We shift into pillar three. It's our online training. We're going to teach you the more mundane things about how to get a security clearance, but we're going to tell you how to work effectively with the career staff. And then finally, we're going to be doing the playbook. This is our plan of action. Yeah, about that playbook. See, it describes empowering the next Republican president with such well-known fascist hits like singularly controlling all federal law enforcement through absorbing the DOJ declaring dominion over every large and small business headquartered or operated within the United States border through the Federal Trade Commission. They also plan to go all Lazarus on a rarely used 1974 Impound Control Act in order to take the power of the purse away from Congress. So the only person who's going to be spending your tax dollars is that Christian nationalist occupying the White House. And if Cheeto Von Dictator gets back into the White House, well, <laughs> you can be guaranteed we will go further into debt because of Big Macs and eight-piece buckets. I don't know about you, but I don't want any more of my tax dollars going to pay for rooms and cart rentals at this athletically inept asshole's golf courses. And all the while, that slow-moving Christian nationalist coup of our country marinates in your mind, because I know it is. How about we move on to something, I don't know, possibly productive, like aliens? No, really. The House Oversight and Accountability Committee, spearheaded by James Comer, the pudgiest ancient aliens fan and Kentucky's second biggest electoral mistake since Glitchy McConnell, held a hearing on UFOs, and it went a little something like this. Do you believe that our government is in possession of UAPs? Absolutely, based on interviewing uh, over 40 witnesses. Do you believe UAPs pose a potential threat to our national security? Yes. The, the technology that we faced was far superior than anything that we had. This object was uh, estimated to be almost the size of a football field. It was perfectly white, smooth, no windows. Look down a small, saw white tic-tac object with a longitudinal axis pointing north-south and moving very abruptly over the water. How do you know that these were not our aircraft? We would see these objects uh, being at 0.0 Mach. These objects were staying completely stationary in Category 4 hurricane winds. These same objects would then accelerate to supersonic speeds. They would do so in very erratic and quick behaviors that we don't, I don't have an explanation for. And, and you're, you're not aware of any other objects that anybody in the world has, in this world, that has those capabilities? No, I think it's far beyond actually our material science that we currently possess. If you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. Biologics? Okay, um... 
If we're going to have a congressional hearing on the long-held conspiracy that the U.S. government has the bodies of aliens and or has been colluding with those resident aliens for several decades, then I would personally like to thank the Republicans for this nationally televised stunt because it does bring up an interesting idea that I would like to share with the rest of the class. While it is true that 65% of Americans, when asked, say that they believe in life out there in our big old universe, 54% of Republicans polled believe that demons are real. And that should tell you everything you need to know about the credibility of some randos' beliefs. Which brings me to the origin story of our modern interpretation of the things that we see in the sky that we don't know shit about. But the modern UFO movement is typically dated to 1947, when pilot Kenneth Arnold was flying over Washington state and reported seeing nine mysterious shiny objects in the air. Over the following decades, America experienced numerous waves of UFO sightings. This was obviously connected to the Cold War, and with it, the space race. It was a time of rampant paranoia, conformity, and containment, and people were able to project their fears and anxieties onto little green men in the sky. Okay, boomer. Thanks to those now elderly among us, the idea of aliens coming to either destroy us or save us from ourselves became the only two storyline options when it came to little green men. From the 1950s to the late 70s, stories of aliens were describing them as mostly harmless or even friendly. But then the Challenger exploded in the 1980s and with it America's interest in the space program. Now, what came out of this rejection of all things extraterrestrial was a new alien narrative. Little gray men armed with anal probes wanting to whisk away random humans in their flying saucer spacecraft for some intergalactic sexual assault, then return them to their beds with nothing more than a couple of hours missing. It's always been funny to me, though, how aliens themselves and the reason for their visits have changed over the decades to suit our current state of events. But hey, what do I know? I do know this example. The only reason we call alien spacecraft flying saucers is because of a reporter's reinterpretation of that pilot back in 1947, who reported, quote, a crescent-shaped flying disc moved through the air like saucers skipped over the water, end quote. That description turned into what we know, flying saucers. It also led to those shiny metallic objects showing up in 82% of UFO reports still to this day. Talk about only seeing what everyone else sees. Even the whole concept of aliens traveling in flying machines is a modern concept, convenient becoming the norm as commercial airline travel in the 60s and 70s became the thing that most Americans did. Oh, and speaking of alien sightings in the 70s. In the late 70s, when it became common to hear about sightings of black triangular objects in the sky, which just so happened to look a heck of a lot like the Imperial Star Destroyer. The same phenomenon seems to occur with alien abduction accounts. The event that first kicked things off apparently occurred in 1961, 
when couple Betty and Barney Hill claimed to mysteriously black out while on a long drive. A few years later, they underwent hypnosis, a largely disproven method for memory recovery, during which Barney described meeting aliens with wraparound eyes. Kopmeyer thought that sounded familiar, and realized aliens with the exact same features Barney described under hypnosis had appeared on the popular TV program The Outer Limits just two weeks earlier. Listen, I'm not saying that what we call aliens is just a product of our collective imagination after being bombarded with nearly half a century of science fiction. No, <laughs> that is exactly what I'm saying. And don't pull that just because I don't believe your mom's friend's boyfriend's sister's alien abduction story that strangely resembles a tale from an episode of Unsolved Mysteries back in 1984, then I don't believe in aliens. Because guess what? I do. There are over 200 billion galaxies in our observable universe. So there's got to be somebody out there. I just don't believe that they've been here. And that's all I have to say about that. New episodes of This Week Again air every Sunday. And follow us on social media wherever you can find us. This Week Again is available for your listening pleasure on such places like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, or wherever you listen. Thank you so much for listening to this show and to Dur for now.